Good morning. Uh, a couple things. Told you I was going to mention these when I got up here. Just uh, just easier this way. Helps me focus. Um, we do have our children's program next week. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, December 18th, we have our caroling uh, around town. We also have our student Christmas party. They've been putting that together. And we're just going to kind of make a day of it on the 18th. And then, of course, there's Christmas Eve services. You are too, by the way. Right? Yeah, you bet. I'd, I, I had a rude awakening last night, about 6 o'clock. It was dark outside, and Sam and I were out throwing the football. I don't know how that works. Um, you couldn't see it. You could only see the shadow of it. Uh, and you, you, once it was about three feet away, you could pick up on it, you know, and you had to react pretty quickly. But it was cold and it was dark and I'm old and, and, and I'm, we're throwing and I can't throw it too. I'm just having a hard time throwing it and I'm having a hard time hit this incredible. He tells me, this is what I hear in the dark. I can't see him. This is what I hear my eight-year-old son say. I threw the ball and he said, keep trying. You're getting it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to feel. I don't. You're getting it. Way to go there, pal. You know, that's getting old. We age. We get older. The, the cold affects us a little more. At some point, we're going to, uh, this body is going to pass away, right? This, this space suit, this tent, it's going to give out. Happens to all of us. What, what about, what if this, what if this was your last day? Hmm? What if this was your last day? Now, there's no way that we can know that, uh, although, all joking aside, we don't know if it is our last day, right? We're not, we're not promised tomorrow. Uh, we're not even promised later today. We're promised right now. But what if this was your last day? And if you can even grasp, uh, grasp these things or grapple with these things, what would you think if this was your last day? What would you do? If this was your last day, maybe if you can even wrap your minds around this, how do you think you would feel if this was your last day? Well, when you hear the phrase, your last day or the last days, what's the emotion that comes to mind? Is it sadness? Is it loss or regret? Is it fear when you think about your last days? Maybe indifference. Ah, don't care one way or the other. Is it, is it unreasonable to ask the question, would you have joy? Would you celebrate? You know, Paul says this, to die is gain. To be with Christ in this more immediate way even. He says to die is gain. To be eternally with Christ. Would you celebrate? You know, we have all heard of, uh, we, we've all been posed with this question probably before. Maybe we've asked others if it was your last day. And we've all heard about the last days. You know, people talk about this a lot uh, right now. And I don't know why people talk about it more now than they ever did. People talk about the last days. These are the last days. We're in the last days. Well, yeah, of course we're in the last days. We're in the last days ever since the resurrection of Christ. There you go. Now you know. We're in the last days. Have been for 2,000 years. We're in the last days. We know that we're living in the last days, the, the time before Christ will return. But these, church, are not the first last days that humanity's ever experienced. It's not the first last days that creation has ever known. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we get a chance for peace today, that we get a chance for hope today. We thank you that we get a chance for perspective today as we celebrate who Jesus is and what Jesus is and what Jesus means to our lives and to creation. We thank you, Father. We ask that you help us to see this, to help us take this, this understanding into our days, into our time, into our lives, and have contentment and peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a note here just as an aside, and I put it on my notes so I wouldn't forget it, uh, but I forgot it. 
uh, dress rehearsal for this program is Saturday from 10 to 12. Just So if Laura asks, I've told you, dress rehearsal for this children's program is Saturday, this Saturday from 10 to 12. Sometimes we hear the phrase, our last day, and we assume or we picture the last day of life. And if you understand the depth and meaning of the birth of Christ, if you understand the significance of His death, I can't help but think that we picture this the wrong way around. Certainly as the human race and definitely as the church. When we say last days, what if these were your last days of death? What if these were your last days of slavery and bondage? What if they were your last days of separation from your home? What if they were the last days of rage and hatred and confusion? What if they were the last days of hopelessness and helplessness? The last days of darkness? What would you think then? How would you feel then? You see, this month throughout December, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we also celebrate our last days. We celebrate our last days. Luke chapter 4, this is Jesus speaking, quoting the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, Jesus is ushering in the last days. He's ushering in the last days of slavery, the last days of darkness. He's ushering in the last days of oppression over our lives and our hearts and our minds because of the direction of sin. Christmas time, the birth of Christ and His ministry ushers in the last days, church, of spiritual bankruptcy. He says, I, He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, this poor in spirit. He talks about this throughout His ministry. He talks about this during what we would call the Sermon on the Mount, this spiritual bankruptcy. I have no direction. I have no meaning in life. I have no purpose. I don't even know if I have value. All I can see is I reflect upon my life or the failures. And those are the only things that roll around in my heart, my head, my mind. The only thing I can see is that I'm not good enough, and because of that, God seems distant. If you've never struggled with these thoughts, I'm glad, because many people do. And this Christmas time, this birth of Christ was meant to be the last days of all of those thoughts, at least those thoughts left with no resolution. If we embrace the gift, Matthew chapter 5, he tells us this. You've heard this before. He's describing what the kingdom of God looks like. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He is ushering in with his own birth the last days. This season ushers in the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. It ushers in the last days of darkness. Matthew chapter 4, again quoting Isaiah the prophet, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of shadow, of uh, the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Christmas is meant to be the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. It's meant to be the last days of darkness. Darkness can blind us, church. You know this. It can prevent us from seeing reality. It can prevent us from seeing who Jesus is, what Jesus is, and how important He is to our lives. It prevents us from seeing that there really is a God, and He really does care about us, and we really do need Him. Those who do not understand that have not accepted the light 
And they still live in darkness, though it's always meant to be the last days of darkness. There really is a moral standard. Now, light is not the absence of darkness, it's the presence of light. And so, we do still stumble. We do still fall from time to time. Yet now we have the light to pick us back up and set us on our feet again. Particularly when we are yoked with Jesus. We think of a yoke as something hard, something heavy, something oppressive. It's, it's literally meant to be the opposite, being yoked with Jesus. Jesus does not stumble. Jesus does not fall. When we are yoked with Jesus, we are picked up. We are carried in our yoke with Christ. Evil and violence still do happen, but we are in the last days of that as well. It will not last forever. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. This is what the celebration of Christmas is about. It's about celebrating our last days. Our last days of spiritual bankruptcy, our last days of confusion, wandering, wondering. It's about celebrating our last days of darkness because light has come into the world through Jesus Christ. Yet sadly, there are many, many that fight the light and I have no idea why they do it. I don't understand, given the options, given the choice, why we would embrace darkness and fight the light. John chapter 3, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. They love it instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. Everyone who rejoices with what is bad hates Jesus. That's just the way it goes. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. We pretend that we are captains of our own vessel. Instead of being reminded that these are jars of clay, these vessels, containing the beauty of Jesus Christ, we need to seek and submit to that light, for these are meant to be the last days of darkness. I'm sure you've heard the story of the Navy destroyer getting close to shore, and the captain sees a light in front of him, and he gets on the radio, and he radios ahead. He says, alter your course 20 degrees. And he gets a uh, radio signal back that says, no, you alter your course 20 degrees. <laughs> and the captain says, gets on the radio, he says, do you have any idea who I am? He says, I'm a captain of a Navy destroyer. I have seniority. I have significance. I have power. I am important. I have experience. Now, I'm only going to tell you this one more time. Alter your course 20 degrees. And the old man comes back on the radio. He says, well, he says, Captain, I'm a lighthouse. Your call. If we would submit to the light, we can allow it to do what it was always meant to do. Lead us home. Just lead us home. You see, these are the last days of darkness. This season ushers in the last days of slavery. This season ushers in the last days of bondage. Again, going back to Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That is good news to the spiritually bankrupt. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's interesting. Jesus stops reading the prophecy there. This prophecy continues on. If you read it in Isaiah, it goes on. It goes further than this. But the rest of the prophecy talks about God's judgment. Talks about God's wrath. But Jesus stops reading the prophecy here because we are in now the first last days, not the last last days. We're celebrating the first last days with Christmas. The last, last days are later on. But he goes on to say, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Look, no one likes to be uh, considered the slave. No one likes to be considered in bondage. And certainly, we don't like to be considered slaves to a cruel master. 
But church, that is just what we are before Jesus Christ. Some people think that there is freedom without Jesus. It's a cruel joke. It's a cruel joke played on humanity. It's a cruel joke played out in the minds of heart, minds and hearts of people. The fact is, church, we are slaves to sin, slaves to evil, slaves to hopelessness, slaves to eventual death and separation before this season of Christmas. We are not, nor could ever hope to be, our own master. Luke already talked about Paul. Let me, let me, Paul describes what it means to be the slave of sin, to be the slave of evil. He says this in Romans chapter 7, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. I don't think Paul's the only one, right? I don't think Paul's the only one. I have the desire to do what's good. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. I understand it. I just have a problem. I can't carry this out. Every time I try, I run into problems. Verse 19, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep doing. This is what it means to be a slave, church. This is what it means to be a slave to sin. This is what it means to be a slave to death. This is what it means to be in bondage. The thing I want to do, I can't do. And yet I'm forced to do all of these things I don't want to do. Now if I do what I do not want to do, if I end up doing what I don't want to do in my heart and in my mind... It's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that lives in me and takes over and consumes who and what I am. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, every time evil is right there with me, saying, you will do this, you will do that. That's slavery, church. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I really do. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me, look now, a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And finally, he throws up his hands and he says, what a wretched man am I. You ever throw up your hands and say, what a wretched man am I before Jesus Christ? Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death and bondage and sin and slavery? Who's going to rescue me? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Church, Christmas is the first last days. It's the last days of slavery. It's the last days of bondage. It's the last days of sin commanding our lives, of death commanding our lives, of making us do what we don't want to do because Jesus enters our life and takes over. I've said before that the gospel message at its core is a message of freedom. Yeah, it's a message of love and it's a message of forgiveness. But all of that leading to you and I living the way we were always meant to live in this complete freedom in Jesus Christ. It's a message of freedom to be set free from homelessness and brought back to our place around the Father's table as sons and daughters of the King. John chapter 1, yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, God gave the right, that can't be revoked, church, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Church, Christmas time, we celebrate our last days of bondage, we celebrate our last days of slavery. We celebrate our last days of orphandom. Again, the last days we live in are not the first last days that humanity has ever faced. And finally, church, this season ushers in our last days of death. See, when we think last days or when we think your last day, right, our minds go to death, don't we? 
that, that, that this is the last day I'm going to be alive. Breathing in, breathing out, whatever it is, in the physical body, this is my last day. That's where your mind went, probably where my mind went when we think about these things. Church, these are the last days of death, not the last days of life when we celebrate Christmas. I mean, what is death? We've talked about this. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. There's the temporary death or the transitional death, I think is probably the best way to put it, and the permanent death. The transitional death we're all going to face. The physical body wears out. The space suit in which we live is going to live is going to wear out because we live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world. The last days of a fallen world, but a fallen world nevertheless. But then, church, there's the permanent death, the second death, the eternal separation from all that is good. And this is truly a fearful thing. In fact, it's right to be scared of this. It's right to be scared of the second death. It is or was looked upon through fear, uncertainty, confusion, even anger, and certainly dread. Eternal separation from all that is good. This is the last days of all that stuff as well. Because this is the season that life was born. Real life was born. Eternal life was born. The creator of life, the sustainer of life, the definer of life. God becomes man in this season, and so it's the last days of death. So that you and I might not face the second death, the fearful death. Christmas time, church, life was given to you and me. Our eternal life, everything you were, everything you are, and everything you might become, think about this, all wrapped up in a baby in a barn. Because that baby, that life, is going to be exchanged for yours. I hope you understand the depth of that. Next week, we're going to talk about Mary's bitter journey. How a bitter journey can lead to sweet glory. I, I hope you understand the depth of Mary watching her little boy die. So that you could sit here. Right? Right? Life was given to you. Life was given to me. Christmas time is the last days of death. And what we get to do is reap the gift. We get to reap the gift. Christmas is a beautiful time. But it's also a time to remind us of that sacrifice. This season is the last days of death. Because we are given the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father's table but through the Son. But that table is welcoming. That table is light. That table is freedom. That table is celebration. Celebration. I'll give you a story of your life. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. He said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, forget about all that noise. Forget about that nonsense. Right? The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe you have and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Why? Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And so they began to celebrate. That's your life. That's my life. That's why these are days of celebration. That's why these are days of the end of death. We were dead but now Jesus is ushered in. Jesus is in the world. And some of us, most of us, hopefully all of us, recognize this light and recognize that Jesus is in the world.
this life, this promise, this seat around the table is for you, your children, and all who are far off. This promise is for everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. And why? Because this is the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus is ushering in. We know, we've heard about favor, undeserved favor. That's grace, right? The year of the grace of Jesus Christ. Church, this that we're living in might be, right, the last days. We know that. But it's not the first last days. The first last days happened many years ago when God became man. The first last days happened many years ago when that life was given for you and for me. The first last days you get to experience and reap the benefits of and the gifts of today. Church, there's no need. There's no need to go through life, and certainly not this season, to go through life anymore in darkness. If you do it, that's you. You want to go through life in darkness, that's on you. It isn't on anybody else. There's no reason to go through this life as a slave, in bondage to sin and death. If you choose to do that, that's on you. There's no reason anymore to go through this life fearing death. Not knowing death, not understanding death. There's no need to go through this life dreading what may happen. If you do, that's on you. And there's certainly no reason, no need to go through this life wondering what my purpose is. What my value is. What my mission is. If you do, that's on you. Because the last days of those things have already happened. The last days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you, Father, that there was these last days and we get to experience the, the, the result of that, the gift of those last days. We thank you, Father, that you care enough that you would become the creation. Father, we ask that we, you help us to see this. Help us to see that there's no reason to live in fear or slavery or dread anymore that there's no reason to live in darkness anymore because of Jesus that Jesus not only stopped at his birth but he went all the way to the cross I thank you Father it's in his name we pray Amen please stand and sing. Oh
Um, for brothers and sisters online, I apologize about the batteries going out. This was, you know, I, I, I stared at them today, and I thought I should change. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, children's program is next week. Ah, there it is. Thank you. Yep, during second service, not during first service. Um, I'll be preaching during first service, but you know, take that for what it's worth. It, children's program is during second service. However, uh, the dress rehearsal for that, the full dress rehearsal, is Saturday from 10 to noon. This Saturday from 10 to noon. Laura wanted to make sure I told everyone that. So, if you talk to Laura, or if anybody claims that I did not tell you this, all right, from 10 to noon. Uh, also, things going on, don't forget uh, the 18th, we're going to kind of make a day of it. Uh, we're going to have a student Christmas party and also caroling that evening uh, around town, so that should be fun. We're going to have our Christmas Eve service. We have two of those, one at 4.30, one at 6 o'clock, one at 4.30, one at 6 o'clock. So uh, keep those in mind. And then Christmas morning, Sunday morning, uh, it's going me- <laughs> to be a mess, right? I mean, it's, it is, and it's a fun mess, you know, I, I enjoy it. We haven't done this in a while, and uh, it, it, might be a, it might be a messy Christmas, but it's, it's going to be enjoyable. And so I encourage you to be here for that. Uh, that is, uh, that's all coming up this month. I had a, uh, I had a, I'm getting old. I'm getting older, right? So are you, exactly, that's right. That's right, you're getting older too. Um, I don't think you are, Joyce. I think everybody else is, yes. Um, but it's, and I'm having, I, I can't do what I once did, at least not very well, and, uh, but I had a rude awakening last night, Sam and I were out playing football, it was about 6 o'clock, it was dark, by the way, at 6 o'clock, and so you couldn't see the football, you could just see the shadow of it as it crossed through the sky, you know, you could get a bead on it when it was about 3 feet away from you, so you had to move quick, you know, and get your hands up. Well, it was cold, and it was late, and it was dark, and I'm old. And you put all those things together, and I could not, for some reason, I just couldn't throw last night. I couldn't throw very well. I, couldn't, I just couldn't get it where he was and right to him and all this stuff. And what I hear off in the darkness, can't see him, but I hear my little eight-year-old son say, as I threw it, he said, well, there you go. That's getting closer. Keep going. <laughs> I didn't even know how to respond. I was, I was <laughs> way to go, buddy. They, you know, we get older. We, I, just, I, you know, it's eventually these these bodies are going to wear out, right? You know that. I know that. Our spacesuits wear out. Our tents wear out. That's just a part of living in a fallen world. You don't have to hate that. You don't have to love it. it that's just that's life. That's just the way that goes. And we will eventually, the physical part of us anyway, will pass away. What if, though, what if this was your last day? What if this was your last day? What if this was, I know like half of you are thinking, I wouldn't be listening to you, and that's what I, right? No, what if this was your last day? Uh, What would you think? If you can wrap your mind around these things, what would you think? What would you, what would you do? Would you be here? I don't know. Uh, what, would you, what would you feel? I don't even know if you can put that into words. What would you feel if this was your last day? When I even say the words your last day or the last days that you're alive, the last few days, what is the emotion? Is it sadness? What's the knee-jerk reaction? Loss? Regret? Is it fear? Maybe one of indifference? I don't care one way or the other. Is it reasonable to ask, would you look upon it with joy? Would you look upon it with, uh, with confidence, with celebration? You know, that's what Paul says, right? Paul talks about this a lot. He says, I don't care whether I'm here. Which, he says, to die is gain. This is what Paul says. To die is gain. How would you look upon this? We've all heard of, we've probably been posed with this question before. Or maybe you've asked others the same question, you know, if this was your last day. And we've also heard of last days. The last days. People talk about the last days a lot lately. I've, I've just noticed that. The last days, in the last days, living through the last days. Let me put your mind at ease. Yes, it's the last days. 
ever since the resurrection of Jesus, it's the last days by definition. So don't, you, you don't have to wonder anymore. All right? It's always, for 2,000 years, we've been in the last days. And we'll be in the last days for another day or maybe another million years. I don't know. But we're in the last days. By definition, that's what it is. After Jesus, before, or after Jesus' resurrection, before the return of Christ, we live in the last days. But these are not the first last days that humanity's ever experienced. They are not the first last days that creation has ever come face to face with. The last days in which we live are actually the second last days, the last last days, not the first last days. We'll talk about the first last days today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've given us an opportunity for hope today, for perspective today. We thank you, Father, that you've given us an opportunity for for contentment and, Father, to realize that we no longer need to live in a state of hopelessness, but we can live in a state of assurance, a state of certainty, and a state of life. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's going to be our main verse. Of course, we'll be talking about a lot of different verses today, but... Luke chapter 4, verse 18, sometimes when we hear the phrase, our last day or the last days, we assume or picture the last days of life, the last days of living, breathing in and out, the last days of experiencing life. And I can't help but think that we have it the wrong way around when we think about last days. We have it the wrong way around when we think of it as the human race and certainly as the church. When we say last days, what if these were your last days? What if they were your last days of death? Hmm? What if these were your last days of death? After a while, the last days, after a while, you wouldn't have to live with that any, live with death anymore. Well, I'm tripping all over myself. I don't even know if that made any sense to you. What if they were your last days of slavery? What if they were your last days of bondage? What if when we say last days, they're the last days of separation from your home? What if they're your last days of rage or hatred or confusion or hopelessness or helplessness? What if they were your last days of darkness and today was your last day? What would you think then? What would you do then? How might you feel then if someone told you these are your last days of bondage? This month, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And we get, that's a special gift that we do kind of throughout this whole month, but we, we get to do it all the time. But we also celebrate our last days. We celebrate our last days. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, this is Jesus quoting the, the uh, prophet Isaiah, the, chapter 61 of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to pro- proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what he did in the synagogue. He walked into the synagogue one day. They were having having church, as it were, and he stood up, read from the scrolls in front of all the people, and this is what he read. He he read this prophecy of Isaiah, and then he he, he, he said, today... In your hearing, this has been fulfilled. And then he sits down. I mean, whoa, that's cool, right? Then he sits down. This is what he says. This is why I'm here. This is what I've come to do. Basically, he says, let me tell you what's happening. Right now, you are living through the last days. You're living through the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. You're living through the last days of hopelessness and helplessness. You're living through the last days of darkness. You're living through the last days of bondage. You're living through the last days of death. This is what he's telling this this church, this synagogue. You are now living through the last days of these horrible things. Christmas time, the birth of Christ and his ministry leading up to his death. This ushers in the last days, number one, of spiritual bankruptcy. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That word there, poor, literally means to cringe, to cower. That's what that's the word being used. The spiritual bankruptcy of mankind. Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to put an end to that now. 
I have no direction, we may say. I have no meaning. I have no purpose. I don't even know if I have value. All I see in my life are the times I've messed up. All I remember in my life are my failures, these moments when I'm not good enough. God seems to be distant because I'm not good enough. If you've ever, if you've never, if you've never struggled with those thoughts, I'm glad, because many people do. Many people do today, and many people did prior to Jesus as man. At Christmas time, this is meant to be the last days of those thoughts. In fact, it's meant to be the last days of those thoughts, certainly without any type of resolution. If we embrace the gift that Jesus has given us. He says, you're spiritually bankrupt. Well, I'm born. I'm about to start my ministry. Now we're in the last days of your spiritual bankruptcy. He gives a description of the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those, here's what he's talking about, who are poor in spirit. That's what, we, that's what we've just described. I have no purpose. I have no value. I have no direction. I have no meaning. I don't know. I'm confused. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus is ushering in these things at his birth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Christmas time, we celebrate our first last days, the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. At Christmas time, it ushers in the last days of darkness. So not just spiritual bankruptcy, but darkness. Darkness in our eyes, in our minds, in our hearts, but darkness around the world. Matthew chapter 4, again quoting the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah talks about the coming Messiah a lot. Matthew chapter 4, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned, talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. Darkness can blind us, church. You know that as well as I do. It can prevent us from seeing reality. We see a veil. We don't see what's really there, what's truly there. It can prevent us from seeing the end. It can prevent us from having a goal in mind that we can work towards and see. It can prevent us from seeing beauty. It prevents us from seeing who God is and what God is. We stumble, we trip, we fall in darkness. Darkness provides cover for violence, provides cover for destruction. Darkness can make us lose our way, get lost and confused and turned around. We don't have any direction where, or any idea where we're going or what direction to go because we have no light. It makes no sense. Life is futile at that point. Jesus says, yeah, these are the last days of all that. We're going to put that to rest. We're going to bring in the light. John chapter 1, talking about Jesus in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it, and it never will. The very character of Jesus gives us the light of direction in our life. Jesus helps us to see reality. What's the reality? There really is a God, and He really does care about us, and we really do need Him. That's reality. He allows us to see this, that there really is a moral standard. Church, light is not the absence of darkness. It's it's the addition of light. It's the presence of light. So we do occasionally stumble. We do occasionally fall. But now, because of the birth, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus, now we have the light to pick us back up, set us on our feet again. This is what Jesus does. He says, all right, we're going to correct. We're going to change a little bit, but I'm not condemning. He picks us up, puts us back on our feet. He says, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? Let's go. Here we go. You see, this is what it means to be yoked with Jesus. Sometimes we think of a yoke as an oppressive thing or a heavy thing. he's, He's literally talking about the opposite when he says, be yoked with me. Be yoked with, be connected to the one who does not stumble and does not fall. If you stumble and you fall, the yoke is there to pick you up, to help you up, to carry the load and continue forward. That's what the yoke is. That's why the yoke is easy. 
He wants us to be a part of that. He says, I have given light to the path. And that's what we celebrate, the last days of darkness. Evil and violence still happen, I get it. But we're in the last days of that as well. Because those things won't be hidden forever. Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 12, for God will bring every deed into judgment. Everyone. Whether it's good or evil, including every hidden thing. Now, sadly, some people fight this light. I, I don't know why. I don't get it. I don't understand. We, 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 we desire freedom in our lives, and yet we deny the one that gives us freedom. But there are many that fight this light. John chapter 3, here's the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness. They love darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. Those who love what is bad don't love Jesus. That's pretty much it. If you love what's bad, you're not going to love Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't love what's bad. Jesus loves what's good. He loves what is sacrificial, caring for one another. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come into the light, but fear their deeds will be exposed. They pretend, we pretend, that we're captains of our own vessel instead of realizing that these vessels are actually jars of clay with wonderful and beautiful things inside of them, but jars of clay. We're not captains of our own vessel, and we fight the light. You've probably heard the story of the, uh, I don't know, maybe I've told this story, of the uh, Navy captain, captain of a destroyer. Getting close to port, he, he sees a light out ahead of him, and he, t- he radios ahead. He says, adjust your course 20 degrees because I'm coming in. And, of course, back on the radio, the other guy says, well, adjust your course 20 degrees. <laughs> well, I didn't sit well with the captain. He says, do you know who I am? He says, I'm a captain of a Navy destroyer. I have importance. I have significance. I have clout. I have power. I have experience. I'm somebody. Now, you move over 20 degrees. Old man comes back on the radio. He says, well, I'm a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) You see, there's a lot of people that do fight the light that Jesus offers and gives us. And this is what Jesus offers at his birth, his ministry. This is the light that comes into the world. If we'd stop fighting the light, then it would do what it was always meant to do. Lead us home. Just lead us home. Don't fight the light of Jesus Christ. So we celebrate the last days of darkness in December. We celebrate the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. We celebrate our last days of bondage. We celebrate our last days of slavery. Again, looking at chapter four, or, uh, Luke chapter 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He anointed me to proclaim good news to the spiritually bankrupt. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, we've talked about that, and to set the oppressed free. It's interesting, Jesus stops right here. He stops with proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. He stops reading this this passage in Isaiah because there's more to it. There's a lot more in that passage. There's a lot more in that prophecy. But that, the rest of the Isaiah prophecy is about judgment. It's about wrath. It's about the, the, the second advent, not the first. Right now, he's talking about the first last days, not the last last days. He's talking about the first last days, getting rid of all the ugly, getting rid of all the hatred things, getting rid of all the death things. This is what he's here to do. That's why he stops reading right there. And then he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Look, nobody likes to be considered a slave. Nobody likes to be considered in bondage. And we certainly, nobody in the world likes to be considered in bondage to a cruel master. It's horrible. Who would want that, who would like that, who would approve of it, who would desire it. But this is just what we are before Jesus Christ. You see, some of us think that, some people think that separation from Jesus is what real freedom is. It's real freedom granted. But it's merely a cruel joke played out in the minds and hearts of humanity. And there's a lot of suckers out there. It's a cruel joke played by evil. In fact, we are slaves to evil. We are slaves to hopelessness and to eventual death and separation before the coming of Jesus Christ. We are not, nor could ever hope to be, our own master. In fact, Paul wrestles with this. Paul wrestles with this and he talks, he tells you much better than how I'm saying it here. Romans chapter 7, he says this, this is what bondage to sin, bondage to death looks like. 
He says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. And I think so far, anybody who's aware of reality can probably agree with Paul at this point. Ryan, you certainly can. Okay, all right, all right. For I have the desire, this is Paul writing, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Anybody else? Right? I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't, I'm tripping up all the time. I can't carry it out. Why? Because Paul is not his own master. He has ruled, he is being ruled over by sin and death in his own life. You and me, prior to Jesus. But we're ushering in the last days of those things. I have a desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. I'm guessing there's a lot of Pauls in this room right now. Yeah? A lot of struggles. Paul, God knows where you're coming from, right? He knows you. He gets you. Jesus understands these things. The good things I want to do, I can't do. I keep screwing this up all the time, this evil right along with me. In verse 20, he says, now if I do what I don't want to do, if I have to do what I really don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's this sin that has overtaken my life and taken control of my very life. That's bondage. That's bondage. It's sin living in me. So I find this law working me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me every time. Every time. In fact, he goes on to say, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I do really delight in God's law. I really do see this. I really do want this for me and my life and my kids and my family. I know you said these words to yourself. I really do want this in my home and in my house and in my life. Paul's saying the same thing. I really do want this. I really do delight in God's law. The problem is this. In verse 23, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. There we go. A prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Finally, he throws up his hands and he says, what a wretched man am I. What a wretched man am I. Now, he is looking at his life before his release as a prisoner through Jesus Christ. So he goes back and he says, who's going to rescue me? If this is your state, if this is my state, these are the things we struggle with, who's going to rescue me from this body that's subject to death? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. See, through Jesus, I have this direction. I have purpose. I have value. I have mission. I have sanctification. I have realization when I disobey. But I have strength, courage, perspective to continue in my obedience to Christ even if I trip, fall, stumble. Like I've said before, that the gospel message is a message of freedom. Yeah, it's a message of love and forgiveness, but all of that from the very beginning of creation, all of that is pointing to how we were meant to live and meant to exist in our complete freedom as creations and our freedom in Jesus Christ. We are to be set free from homelessness and brought back to our place around the Father's table as sons and daughters of the King. The birth of Jesus kicks all that stuff off. It's the last days of bondage. It's the last days of hopelessness. It's the last days of throwing up your hands and saying, what a wretched man am I. I have no direction here. John chapter 1, yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's a right, church, that cannot be revoked. That was given by God. It cannot be revoked. It cannot be changed. You'd be given the right to become children of God. Born not of natural descent, or of a human decision or husband's will, but born of God. We celebrate in December the last days of bondage. We celebrate the last days of spiritual bankruptcy. We celebrate the last days of darkness, the last days of bondage, our last days of being orphans, the last days of orphandom, if that's a word. 
And finally, we celebrate our last days of death. We celebrate at Christmas time the last days of death. Death isn't yet conquered. It will be. 33 years later, when Jesus conquers it. But at His birth, we celebrate the last days of this. We celebrate the last days of death. It's gasping for air. And Jesus is going to stomp on its head pretty soon. We celebrate the last days of death at Christmas time. And again, that's quite the opposite of what we usually think of when we think of last days or our last day. Almost immediately in our head, we think of death. No, these are the last days of death, not the last days of life. So what is death? We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There's the temporary death or what I would call the transitional death. And then there's real death, the permanent death, the forever death. The second death. The transitional death we're all going to face, all right? Physical body wears out. uh, It's just the way it goes. We live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world. And and we are partly the cause of it, but also collateral damage because of it, right? And we face some of these things. Uh, We're in a fallen world. The last days of a fallen world, but a fallen world nevertheless. But then there's the permanent death. Then there's the one to be scared of, all right? The second death, the unknown, the scary thing. And it is truly a fearful thing. In fact, it is okay. It's right to be scared of the second death. It, it, it is or it was looked upon through fear and uncertainty, <clears throat> confusion, even anger, and certainly dread. Eternal separation from all that is good. This season puts an end to all that as well. All that, all that confusion, all that not knowing, all that, that fear. It's the last days of that. See, this is what Jesus is talking about when he reads this passage from Isaiah. I, I've come to put an end to all that other stuff. These are the first last days. This season, life was born. Real life, eternal life was born to you and me. So that we may not face the second death, the fearful death. Life was given. Our eternal life, your eternal life, everything you were, everything you are, everything you might become. Think about this. All of it wrapped up in a baby in a barn. That's it. That's your life right there. You see, it's the last days of death because of that, that life was going to be exchanged for yours. And... and, and Understand what I'm saying. I understand the significance of that. That life was going to be exchanged for yours. Next week, we're going to talk about the bitter journey that Mary was on and how a bitter journey can lead to sweet glory. Part of that bitter journey was, was watching her little boy be crucified. For you. Sitting in these chairs right now. Right? Right? What a gift. This life was going to be sacrificed for ours. You see, his death was going to take the place of our death. That's why Christmas is the last days of death. And you better start thinking of it that way. You better start celebrating it that way. Because I'll tell you this. If Christmas is the last days of these things, and you're still living in spiritual bankruptcy, that's all you. That's no one else but you. If Christmas is the last days of death and you're still scared and confused and worried about death and what's going to happen, where's going to happen, how's going to happen, all this stuff, that's all you. That's nobody else. That's all you. Same thing with blindness. Same thing with bondage. That's all you. That's not Jesus. That's not me. That's not your neighbor. That's all you because Jesus already ushered in the last days of all this nasty stuff, all this horrible stuff. We get to experience The gift. No one comes to the Father's table but through Jesus. And that table is welcoming. It is light. It is freedom. It is celebration. Let me tell you about your life. Here's your life. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. 
While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and the father ran to the son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then he said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the son, forget about all that noise. He said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? Because this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. Because Jesus ushered in the end of death. He was dead and now he's alive. He was lost, that is in blindness, and now he's found. And so what they do, they began to celebrate. That's why you celebrate. That's why you enjoy this time. That's why you celebrate this time. I'll tell you, it's the end. It's the death of all of these horrible things. It's the first last days, church. And this life, this life is promised to you, your children, and all who are far off. This light, this freedom, this life is granted to all who call in the name of the Lord. Why? Because this is the year of the Lord's favor. We know about favor, right? Undeserved favor is called grace. This is the year of the grace of your Father being poured out upon you. That's what Jesus ushered in. That's what he brings with him at his birth. That's what he finalizes and makes permanent at his death and his resurrection. The covenant of grace. Christmas is a time to celebrate the first last days. The first last days. The last days of separation and uncertainty. The last days of hopelessness. Both ways through human history. Christmas celebrates the last days of any type of futility in life. Celebrate the last days. Celebrate the last days. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the first last days. We thank you that we can be defined by who Jesus is. We can be defined by who he says we are. That we don't have to pretend that we are still bound by uncertainty and struggle and hardship. That we're still bound by death. That we're still... We don't have to pretend that we're still in bondage. Father, help us to realize that. Help us not to live that way. But we really do see and embrace and realize that those last days have come and gone. We get to live in your kingdom eternally, starting now. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and sing.
Well, we're in that season. I don't know if Wes has done this yet. I don't think he has. But I'll, I'll wish a happy or a Merry Christmas, right? Yeah? All right. Merry Christmas. We're, I think, good enough. And I hope you do have a Merry Christmas. I hope you have a Merry Christmas season. And I hope you have this, this realization throughout this time that you are celebrating the last days of really everything that you hate and you don't like. Every last days of everything you're never meant to be anyway. And it's a beautiful time. Let's thank, let's thank God for our time. Father, we do thank you that we get to come together like this, uh, that, we, that, we, that we strengthen one another, uh, that we learn, that we gain the right perspective in this time of year, that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus, that we can celebrate the fact that not only was he born, but he saw this mission all the way through to the end. And that today, this season, kicks these things off. And I thank you, Father. Help us to remember them properly. Help us to remember them with gratitude and with thanksgiving. Amen.